What if a child's plaything becomes an object of dread? Today, we unravel the mystery of Robert the Doll. Bert will dig into the verified accounts and give his thoughts surrounding Robert the Doll. Let's begin the podcast. In the stillness of night and the quiet of our minds, we often find ourselves yearning for stories that both terrify and intrigue. Stories of otherworldly apparitions and unexplained phenomena. But have you ever stopped to wonder, where does it all begin? Welcome to Retraced Echoes. Welcome back to another episode of Retraced Echoes. As always, I'm your host. My name is Bert. We're back at it again, but we're switching it up a little bit. Typically, we're all about the haunted locations and all the entities that reflect that haunted location. Today, we're switching it up. We're going to be focusing on one thing, and that's going to be Robert the Doll. Now, we're going to be sticking to our typical story format with the sound effects, a little bit of music, a little bit of drama. But we're going to be navigating many twists and turns of Robert the Doll, and it's crucial to acknowledge this just isn't an item from the past. It resides today, and it's no longer confined to just the attic of a family home. This bad boy is sitting right in a place that you can go to right now, which is Fort East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. If you ask me, not only is it a museum, it's a vault, and you're going to want to heed some of the advice that I'm going to give in this podcast if you go to visit Robert the Doll. Now, this museum is taking zero chances, and you can just look on the wall for what I'm talking about. They've put Robert behind some thick glass, and that barrier is kind of there to keep him both physically and what I would say is probably symbolically away from the public and honestly, probably whatever energy still linger with him. Now, we're going to be talking about all these things at the museum when you go to see Robert the Doll. There is a, I don't know why I keep calling him Robert the doll. I guess I could just call him Robert. I'm, I guess I'm treating him like a human being now. <laughs> so, listen, I'm going to put respect on Robert's name, but on the glass where he's at, there's a sign that says, do not take photos. Whether true or false, it has been known that bad things have happened to people if they did not ask Robert permission to take a photo of him. So Take that for what it's worth. We're going to talk about that in the story also. So on the daily, Robert receives letters, gifts of people that's just trying to stop whatever bad mojo they got going on in their life. But to understand Robert the doll, we got to go into the history. And you know what that means? It's time for the ever so popular ghost story. Let's go. In the sun-soaked, salty air haven of Key West, Florida, during the early years of the 20th century, a young boy named Gene Otto lived in a huge home, a place filled with warmth and of southern hospitality, yet also overshadowed by an unexplainable presence. The Otto family was well known in the community. They were sociable, rich, and most notably, fond of the arts. As young Gene roamed the spacious rooms and corridors of this beautiful home, His youthful innocence would never understand that his life was about to be forever marked by a strange companion. One faithful day, a family servant gave Gene a gift, one that would captivate his imagination and challenge the very boundaries of his ordinary life. The gift was a well-made doll, 
dressed in a sailor's outfit that mirrored the very clothes the young Jean often wore. This wasn't just any ordinary doll. It was carefully crafted and seemingly filled with lifelike details. Everything from a glint in its eyes to an ever so slight curve of its stitched mouth. Now you have to understand, this gift was given from a servant who was very skilled in voodoo and black magic. Practices that, in a world of supernatural, can serve as a conduit of energies beyond our understanding. Jean was instantly in love with this doll, started calling it Robert, and the two became inseparable. Now little did the Otto family know, this wasn't just a passing phase of childhood. Robert the doll would become a regular in their lives and in the folklore of Key West, affecting everyone who came in contact with him in ways that only defy reason. From the very moment that Robert the doll was presented to young Jean Otto, the attention to detail in the doll's attire did not go unnoticed. The sailor suit that Robert wore was not just by random choice, it closely resembled one that Jean himself wore on special occasions. This similarity only deepened Jean's attachment to Robert, as if their matching outfits symbolized a bond that went beyond the ordinary playthings of childhood. But it wasn't just the strange resemblance in attire that raised eyebrows. It was the nature of the relationship between the boy and the doll that truly gave pause to those who observed it. As the days passed, the Otto family grew used to a certain routine. Jean's parents would often hear their son deep in conversation in his room. They'd hear Jean's voice, full of youthful curiosity and enthusiasm, followed by a pause, as if he was listening to a response. They would inch closer to the doorway, attempting to understand what could possibly captivate their son's attention so completely. And when they did, they heard a different, muffled voice, almost like a whisper. Later, they would ask him about this voice, and Jean would say, well, that was Robert. Now, these conversations, they started to raise concerns, not just for the oddness, but for the frequency and the emotional weight that they seemed to carry on Jean. Now, it's not unusual for children to have imaginary friends, but this felt different. Robert was not a figment of imagination. He was a tangible being, sitting there with his button eyes and his stitched smile. And yet it seemed as though the doll had something to say, a perspective to share, an influence that became increasingly real within the auto home. And so the line between animate and inanimate began to blur, filling the air with a sense of apprehension. Was Robert simply a vessel of Jean's vivid imagination? Or was there something more, something unexplainable, that warranted the growing unease felt by those who witnessed the doll and his curious interactions with young Jean? As Jean grew older, the relationship between him and Robert evolved in ways that were both intriguing and unsettling. Robert was no longer just a silent participant in Jean's games or a spectator in his childhood whims. He had became a character in an unfolding drama of the Otto household. Whenever something bad would happen, let's say a glass shattered in the dining room, scribbles appeared on the wall, or small items would go missing, Jean always had an explanation. It was Robert, he would say, 
Now, children often have vivid imaginations and sometimes assign blame to their make-believe friends for mischief that they themselves had done. But when Jean blamed Robert, his conviction was always alarming. It wasn't said in the nervous tone of a child caught in a lie, but rather with an absolute sincerity, as if he truly believed that Robert had actually done the deed. Robert didn't like where the vase was sitting. He wanted to move it, Jean would say, or... Robert thinks the walls look better this way. In the beginning, Jean's parents accepted these instances with a blend of acceptance, yet obvious skepticism. Kids will be kids after all, and imaginations were meant to run wild. That's what they told themselves anyway. But what they couldn't easily dismiss was Jean's consistent demeanor whenever these instances occurred. It wasn't playful or mischievous. It was almost as though Jean was making an explanation for Robert's unspoken wishes. The explanations grew increasingly difficult as things continued to happen. Jean's attachment to Robert, they didn't stop, they intensified. As well as the oddities that plagued their home. His parents began to question what was really going on. Was their son simply engaged in childlike fantasies? Or had Robert the doll transformed into a real-life entity in their son's life? While the Otto family had their own internal struggles grappling with the phenomena that was Robert the doll, it was the observations of neighbors that escalated the story from spooky folklore to community concern. Whenever the Ottos would venture out for social events or errands, leaving Robert behind in the house, the neighbors started to report something beyond the ordinary a series of observations so scary that they would remain etched in the collective memory of Key West. The neighbors claimed to have seen Robert the doll move, quite literally, from window to window in the Otto household. The doll wasn't merely relocated, as if by human hands, but seemed to move as if possessed by an anatomy all its own. In fact, one evening, Miss Thompson, who lived about two houses down, was sipping her tea by the window. When she took a glance out the window, her eyes met the gaze of Robert's button eyes from the upstairs window of the auto home. Thinking little of it, she returned to her evening activities. However, a couple of hours later, she glanced back and saw Robert in a completely different window. This time, downstairs. <gasps> Now Mrs. Thompson, she called her husband, and they both stood there, transfixed, pondering the implications of what they had just witnessed. This wasn't the only story like this. Another neighbor, Mr. Clark, he had a similar experience when he was walking his dog past the home. A chill ran down his spine when he saw Robert stationed at the ground floor window, only to notice him upstairs on his return journey. No one else was visible in the house, making the episode extremely unsettling. Now, it's one thing to hear stories of strange events happening within the walls of a family's home, but it's another when those events are collaborated by external, unbiased witnesses. These neighbors' accounts added a layer of the complexity and the mystery that was Robert the Doll. Were these collective sightings more coincidence? A trick of light, perhaps? Or was Robert truly capable of movement? Unexplainable breaking of boundaries that define the animate and the inanimate. As the days turned to months and the months turned to years, 
the initial skepticism of Jean's parents began to stop. Sure, they had entertained the idea that their son's imagination could be behind the various oddities in the home. However, events began to unfold that made even these easygoing parents question what was truly happening in between their own walls. It started very small at first. The parents would occasionally hear laughter, but not the innocent kind that you would expect from a young child. It was more of a distorted giggle, disembodied and distant, originating from the room where Robert resided. Both parents at different times claimed to hear tiny footsteps running from the upper floors when only Robert could be the source. At first, these incidences were dismissed. Old houses have their sounds, they would tell themselves, trying to rationalize what they had heard. But when these sounds were coupled with Jean's continual instances that Robert was behind any number of household disturbances, dismissing it as a mere coincidence became increasingly difficult. However, the lingering doubts was there, hanging like heavy mist in their thoughts. The thought that maybe, just maybe, their son was not imagining things. That Robert the doll did possess some unworldly capabilities. It was very clear that the mystery of Robert the doll had penetrated even the most skeptical minds in the auto household, leaving everyone in a state of uneasy fear. Caught between the realms of belief and disbelief. Years went by, and the boy who once found a companion in the stitched fabric and button eyes of Robert the doll grew to be an adult. Gene, a man now shaped by both common experiences of life and the uncommon mystery surrounding his childhood toy, made a very deep decision. Perhaps, seeking closure, or maybe to protect those around him, Gene gave Robert a new home, the attic. Up there amidst dusty trunks and forgotten memorabilia, Robert would stay confined, or so, Gene thought. Even locked away in the solitude of the attic, Robert was anything but forgotten. While he was no longer able to gaze out windows, visitors to the auto household would often claim to hear unidentified sounds from above. Not all of the sounds they heard were unidentified though. Sometimes they would hear footsteps, eerily reminiscent of those once heard during Jean's childhood. It was as if an unseen presence was pacing back and forth on the wooden floorboards, steps muffled but distinct. And then there was the laughter, a sound that no amount of distance seemed to suppress. It was a laughter that no one could easily categorize, neither fully childlike nor completely adult. Guests who were not privy to the house's history would sometimes ask, who's up there? The answer? both simply and perplexing, was always no one. At times, Gene found himself venturing up into the attic. Some would say it was almost as though he was hoping to find Robert in a different spot from where he'd left him. Although he'd never openly admit it, one couldn't help but wonder if Gene was seeking some form of validation, almost looking for concrete evidence that would tip the scale from rationality to the unexplainable once and for all. But there was always Robert, sitting quietly, always appearing just as an ordinary doll would. No one could ever shake the sense that Robert's relocation to the attic did little to confine his unexplainable influence. 
Visitors might have changed, years might have rolled by, but the legacy of Robert the Doll was a tale that continued to unfold, defying the bounds of both space and skepticism. As the years turned into decades, Gene found himself on a path that changed greatly from his unsettling childhood experiences. He became an accomplished artist, capturing the beauty and complexities of the world through his paintings. His work was admired, his talent respected, but amidst his success was a backdrop of unease. An ambience that clung to him, particularly when he was at home. It wasn't a secret, at least not to those closest to him, but Gene admitted his lingering discomfort to Robert the Doll. Yes, the very same Robert that now resided in the attic, confined but apparently not silenced. Despite his many accomplishments and the seemingly normal course his life had taken, Gene couldn't shake off the impression that his old friend still had a huge influence over him and the atmosphere of his home. His art studio, a place that should have been his sanctuary, at times became a chamber of whispers. Brushes would come up missing, only to be found in other areas that made no sense for them to be found. Canvases that he turned one direction while painting, when he would leave the room and come back, would be facing a different direction. These occurrences could be brushed off as just an absent-minded person, but Gene was convinced that it was Robert's doing. He would often tell his wife that he felt as though he was sharing the studio with someone he couldn't see. It's Robert, he would say, the seriousness in his voice erasing any doubts that he might be joking. Though Gene never brought Robert back down from the attic, the weight of that doll's presence bore heavy on him. The home, filled with evidence of Gene's artistic accomplishments, was also a vault storing years of mysterious memories. Memories that centered around the sailor-suited doll, locked away but never forgotten. Gene lived out his later years, carrying a sense of unexplainable unease. No matter how far he would venture into the realm of his artistic creations, he could never quite step out of the long, indistinct shadow that Robert cast upon his life. As years grew long and the pages of the calendar fell, one by one. It became clear that Robert the Doll's residence at the Otto home would not be permanent. Robert Otto passed on, but Robert's story was far from over. In a new twist, Robert found himself in a place far removed from an intimate setting of a family home. Instead, he found himself in Fort East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. This could have been the end. It could be that Robert had became a piece of history, an artifact amidst war relics and cultural exhibits. Encased in glass, he sat there, his sailor suit as pristine as ever, drawing the eyes of hundreds of visitors. Yet some say that Robert has not been as passive as one might expect as an artifact. Strangely enough, visitors have reported that their cameras, which worked great everywhere else, tend to malfunction when pointed at Robert. Full batteries drain unexpectedly, lenses fog up for no apparent reason, and sometimes the photographs develop with a mysterious blur or anomalies. While the skeptics are quick to offer rational explanations, those who explain these malfunctions firsthand often walk away with a sense of awe, if not mild trepidation. 
Even the museum staff have their own tales to tell. Objects around Robert's display have been moved or rearranged even though no one admits to touching them. And once in a while, especially when the museum is quiet and the crowds have left, some claim to hear a soft, disembodied laughter echoing from the hallways. A haunting reminder that Robert the Doll's story may be ongoing, defying the boundaries of reason and understanding. Though Robert is encased in glass and locked behind doors at closing time, Robert the Doll seems to suggest that physical barriers are hardly constraints for whatever energy or essence he possesses. While he may be a stationary figure in a museum, he remains an enduring subject of fascination and, for some, a subject of unexplained phenomena that challenges our very perception of what is possible. Visitors come from near and far, often knowing full well the stories and legends that have long been associated with Robert. They gaze at the doll, take photographs when they dare, and sometimes even speak to him. But what truly sets Robert apart from other historical artifacts is an unusual practice, a ritual if you will, that has evolved over the years, which is the act of apologizing to a doll. Yes, you heard that correctly. Robert receives apologies, often in the form of handwritten notes left on its display from people claiming to have experienced a streak of bad luck after disrespecting him in any way. This could be anything from taking a photo without asking his permission, maybe making jokes at his expense, or merely doubting his alleged abilities. These individuals felt compelled to say sorry. The museum has received countless letters, each one a testament of an ongoing mystique that Robert commands. Some apologies are simple, direct, and sprinkled with a shade of fear Others seem to be written with a tone of newfound respect. In these letters, the authors commonly recount a series of unfortunate events, accidents, losses, even health issues that had befell them after their less than respectful encounter with Robert. They express regret and ask for the quote unquote curse to be lifted. Their words dancing around with the uncomfortable notion that an inanimate object might wield significant power enough to disrupt their human lives. To the casual observer, it might seem like just an act of superstition. Yet, the constant stream of apologies suggests that the legend of Robert the Doll extends far beyond that of Key West, reaching into the minds of people from all walks of life. Whether it's mere coincidence or something far more perplexing, the need to apologize to Robert leads to an air of contemporary reality to an already bewildering tale. So if you ever decide to visit Robert at the museum, you might find yourself contemplating the seemingly benign act of snapping a photo or making a casual joke. Just remember, many before you have done the same and felt the need to apologize. Robert the Doll, it seems, has a way of turning even the most skeptical visitors into cautious believers, ensuring that his mystique is something we'll talk about for years to come. In the great words of Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, Zoink Scoob! That right there is a museum. If I ever find myself in Key West, I'm never even going in the building. <laughs> Putting that out there. I am all about 
supernatural, but that one with little curses and stuff, I'm good. I'm good on that one. I want to look at the actual stories, right? So we kind of, this one's been different because we went more of a, I guess you could say chronological order. Typically what we do is we have different stories that we kind of filter in. This is all revolving around the one story, which is Robert the Doll. So this one, we can't dig into a ton of different aspects with the exception of what we can look at with actually Robert, right? So with Robert, I, the first thing I want to kind of look at is the theories behind the different hauntings that he had and trust and believe this, this one has a web of possibilities. There's so many different ways you can go with this one. Before we jump into that though, good night. Why has there not been a movie made on this or has there been a movie? I didn't. Now I kind of want to double check and see if there was a movie done. I don't ever remember there being a story of Robert the doll. There's Annabelle, right? Which we might do one of these on her also, but like Annabelle had her own movie. How's Robert the doll? Robert the doll technically sounds just as scary, if not scarier than Annabelle, right? Because this one, this one's a curse. Doesn't matter who it is. So if there hasn't been a movie made yet, y'all need to get on it. Because this right here, banger. I'm telling you, this will be a banger movie, especially around Halloween, which is where we're at now. <laughs> this is spooky. I could just imagine it just in a movie theater, seeing this family looking at each other, friends coming over and then just above it with their theater sound, these little footsteps banging around the attic. That's creepy. Reminds me of Chucky to a degree. Oh, you know what? Was Chucky based on this doll? <gasps> All right, sorry about the weird cut. I had to double check and see if it was inspi the inspiration behind Chucky. It actually was not, which shocks me. That being said, there was a movie called Robert. It was a 2015 British horror film written and directed by Andrew Jones. The film was inspired by a haunted doll named Robert. So there was a movie made. Now I kind of want to see this movie. Or maybe I don't. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to see it or not. But uh, let's jump to the psychological because we all know everyone's going to jump there anyhow. It's very complex because the human mind is by far the most powerful tool we have, but it is capable of conjuring realities that may or may not exist outside of our own perception. I see it all the time, especially when it comes to photos. There's actually a Reddit group that I'm a part of called Ghosts. I love going in there because there's so many different things that I look at and I go, okay, that's plausible. But there are so many photos that people think they see something. They swear up and down they see something. Pareidolia, right? But they just can't let it go because they think they see something that they want to see. And sometimes you just got to let people believe what they want to believe because no matter what I tell them or no matter what anyone's going to tell them, they believe there's something that, I can't tell you how many times I'll see a photo with a very obvious insect flying in front of it. And they go, that was clearly paranormal. No, it was that right. There's a June bug. It's <laughs> just a June bug. You just didn't see it somehow when you took the photo and that's a June bug. Or even in cases that I've encountered when you have a higher end camera with an interchangeable lens, it's not difficult when you're changing lenses to get a piece of dust or 
even a fiber from your clothing or a piece of dust that will get trapped between the mount of the camera and the interchangeable lens that you put on. So when you take a photo, you'll almost get this blurry blob. But the problem is in some photos, it's easier to see, easier to see, right? So let's say it's a case where it's a brighter photo. You've been taking dark photos all day. It can kind of blend in with a dark photo versus with a lighter setting photo. All of a sudden you one time, no joke, no joke, took a photo it was one of the sky. I can't even, it wasn't intended to be the sky. It was, I was taking a photo and the sky was in the background. The only photo I took that entire day. Got it home, downloaded onto my computer. I swore to goodness I saw a UFO. <laughs> I did. I looked at it like 15 times in large. I'm like, that looks just like a UFO. Nope. It was a piece of dust. It was, it was on my mirror. Remove the piece of dust, no problemo, no more UFOs. And I even took photos after that to make sure that, you know, that was the case in which it was. Any, like you point at a white screen, you take a photo, you can clearly see it at that point. But when it's in the sky and there's clouds and stuff like that, you think you see something that you don't really see. Now you add to that things such as you, you go into a situation that you think this dog can curse you. I'd be the first one to tell you, I'm not going in the museum, okay? That's me. I'm not going, I certainly would never go in there with a camera, me personally, because I'm not, listen, I'm not taking that risk, but you go in there, it's easy for a camera to malfunction when you're nervous, or if you're standing there, or even in like the house, let's say Robert, you know, is back in the house, you're visiting, you've heard the stories from neighbors, folklore, whatever it may be, you hear something your mind automatically goes to it being footsteps. Why? Because you're listening for them. You're, you're hoping, not necessarily hoping, but you think in your mind that it's possible to hear footsteps and in return, that's what you hear. Now, let's say that you do go and you see the doll, even if you don't take a photo, right? You go in, you try to be respectful, whatever it is, you go back home and all of a sudden, you have a series of bad things that happen to you, right? Just dumb luck, but it's bad luck. You're going to attribute it to Robert. Why? Because it's easier to blame a doll than to face the fact that it was just random. Or maybe you've had great things going on and all of a sudden you go do this and booyah, bad luck. So it may not have had anything to do with Robert. It's the fact that it was just timing, just bad timing, unfortunately. Now that I've looked from more of like a skeptic's point of view, I want to look at some other possibilities, right? I don't think that anybody can ignore the context in which Robert came into Jean's life. Okay. It was gifted by a family servant, well-versed in the practices of voodoo and black magic. Let me repeat that for the people in the back. It was given to him by a servant of the family who was well-versed in the practice of voodoo and black magic. I don't care what you say. You can say that it's just a mystical uh, folklore, whatever. I don't care. There's something to it. I know stories specifically when it comes to voodoo practices. I wouldn't touch it with a 20-foot pole. 
There ain't no way. Now I can assure you, it's not just me. There's a lot of people that believe when there's dolls used in voodoo practices that they can almost harbor spirits or energies capable of influencing anything in the physical world. So one question I would ask is, could Robert be a vessel of some kind of unknown entity that was manifest from these voodoo practices? Again, this servant was well-versed. This is like the third time I've said that. This is almost the direction I'm leaning here, but you got to make that decision your own. That being said, anytime that we talk about voodoo, I sit back in my mind and go, I'm not the one who's so foul. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I get that song stuck in my head. There used to be an old celebrity uh, ghost hunting show. I can't remember what the name of it was. It may have been just called like Celebrity Paranormal or Celebrity... I don't know what it was called. Anyway, it was a celebrity ghost hunting show and that was their opening song and I'm like, could not possibly be a better intro to a song <laughs> or to a to a TV show, not a song. That song was amazing for that TV show and that TV show was amazing. Makes me want to go back and watch it. They used to take these celebrities, put take them to a haunted location and then strap all these cameras to them and make them go inside and do certain things for X amount of time. Sometimes it'd be turn their camera off, turn the lights off, just sit there. Nope. This is going to be bad. If if my channel ever gets big enough to where one day I decide to go ghost hunting, hopefully with my buddy Nick, so I got someone else I can scream at through the whole entire process. I'm going to hate that part of my life for a couple minutes. I really am. Ah. Now, there's really only one other hypothesis that someone can come to, and that that is some form of a intelligent haunting or like a spirit or an entity. It's not like the residual that we typically talk about. And that one for me is just it's a deep one. Like typically there's something that happens above and beyond that before that happens in which I, I mean, there is obviously stories from people saying that they've seen Robert's face expressions change or like moving positions inside the glass case. That would be a form of like an intelligent haunting. I don't know. But again, that could fall into the voodoo. There's just a lot to it, I guess. I, I don't know that I would buy into that one, though. There was technically one other theory but I kind of threw that one out, but now I feel like I should at least touch on it a little bit. And there's a line of thinking that speculates that there was a deep emotional attachment between Gene and Robert, that that could be uh, Gene's own energies or emotions. Uh, and maybe that became part of like the doll, like it intertwined itself. I don't know about that. That just, it doesn't seem that way. I mean, even after Gene's passing, some say that maybe it tethered his spirit into Robert continuing to manifest in like strange ways. That one, I just, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. That just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Again, I go back to this voodoo. I know you have to make your own decisions. Don't base it on mine, but good night. Voodoo just sounds like the right way to go. <laughs> I don't really know. That sounds like it's right to me though. Now on this one, I'm not going to do as much of a deep dive because it's not really a location, more so an entity. But if you enjoyed this, please be sure to check out another podcast that I do with my buddy Nick. It's called Deceptive Reality. It's very similar to this kind of a podcast. It's more around like unsolved mysteries, though. This technically would have fit. 
the case of Robert the Doll would have fit perfectly in the narration. And we've covered things like the infield poltergeist. So if you enjoy this kind of podcast, please be sure to check out that podcast also. Also, please, 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 no matter where you're listening to this podcast, please be sure to rate it. Let others know that I'm here. Please be sure to share it. If you're enjoying it, you know other people that enjoy this kind of a thing, let them know my podcast. Let them hear it too. Lastly, I want to know, have you been to Key West? Have you seen Robert the Doll? Have you been to this actual museum? Do you know something about this case that I don't even know? If so, I want to hear about it. Please be sure to go to my website. You can find that at www.retracedechoes.com or on any of my social medias. Someone will definitely reach out to you as soon as you touch base with us. We would love to hear your stories. Well, everybody, as we pack Robert back into the glass case for the evening, let's not forget, he might be buttoned up, but the mysteries surrounding him are anything but sewn shut. So until the next investigation, keep your curiosity tailored and your skepticism in stitches. Goodbye.